Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Life Off-Road Podcast. I'm Jo Mackey. Well, this time we have found ourselves in Hobart, Tasmania, particularly Risdon Vale. Now, what the power of bikes, what do they do? They bring us together and they allow us to escape. They take us places we would never have seen any other way. They also, to some degree, offer us a way out, an opportunity to be better. And this is where the man across from me comes in, uh, Anthony or Aunt Edler. Um, from Risdon Bike Collected and it's an initiative that works with young people and building healthy communities and really all through the power of bike. And welcome. Thank Firstly, you. tell us what is this? Yeah. So, well, the Risdon Vale Bike Collective was birthed out of, I guess, looking at in a local high school and a local community what there was for young people to do. Um, looking at well, we saw there was a need, a need for positive male mentoring, especially, but just mentoring across the board. There was a need for activity, exercise. There was a need for developing skills for work, skills for life. So we just started experimenting, and bikes was one of the things we tried. And so from that point on, when we found bikes and kept doing bikes, it's what it's morphed into now is... We have this workshop, which is a place for young people to come and build character and skills for life. So that's our, bit of our motto and what we like to do. Um, and we do that through the good old process of restoring a run-down bike. We do it through taking them on camps and bike rides. And um, one of the important aspects of what we do as well is selling these bikes on. So we can actually do the retail's customer service skills, give them a feel for what it's like to enter into a work environment um, and hopefully be a bit of a link between high school and then work and life post that. For So in Tassie here, high school year 10, then they transition to the college matriculation system and um, yeah, so we work with them up to year 10 and send them on their way with, you know, a, I guess a bunch of skills and character and attitude that will assist them in looking for work and in just everyday life. I'll, I want to take you back. How did you first get in, involved or what's, give us a little bit of um, your history. Yeah, so I, I'm a youth worker and I was doing some work at a high school and we were running a life skills program. So we were doing just different activities. So we would we built some billy carts, we made skateboards, we did cooking, we did other sporting activities. And at that same time, personally, I was getting into mountain biking myself. Um, and yeah, someone just had the idea of why don't we try restoring a couple of bikes? So we literally got, I think, eight bikes we managed to do four of them, I think. So it was just pretty small experimenting. I didn't even really know what I was doing at that point. I was sort of learning as I went. Like most mountain bikers, we all ride yeah. the bike but sometimes can't fix it. That's yeah. it. And I was the same and um, now I know. But, yeah, that was – and that was – oh, that's now 13, 14 years ago. And so it just grew and it just connected really well with the cohort we were working with. And so we're like, oh, we've got to do this again. They were engaged. These were kids who were – often dropping out of school they were irregular they were suspended they you know had so many issues um, around education that we actually found a way and at that point we were working in the high school we actually found a way that this actually really connected with them and they were able to achieve 
and have a successful achievement through that process of restoring, you know, this rundown bike, which then you end up, you know, a few weeks later, it's new, it's shiny, it's going well, and, you know, initially we we donated them on, and so they had that, um, I guess, knowledge that they were doing something good for the community as well, and um, being a positive part of that. So from there, it grew and grew and grew, till we're restoring sort of 150 bikes a year. We then sent a shipping container of 440 bikes to Namibia with huge amount of parts in it and that became a little bike shop, like a little workshop, the container itself. And the bikes got um, distributed out to sort of for small business, for um, orphanages, for community health nurses. And so that was a really good project that we did back in 2013. And at that same point in time, the school actually wound up. So the school actually was shut down. In Namibia? In here, oh, in here, Hobart. In so Hobart. that school we were working on um, in actually closed. And then we had to rethink. And so from that point on, we actually got some government funding to set up a community workshop in the middle of Risdenvale, opposed to the high school, which was a bit out of the community. So it sort of shifted from a school-focused program to a community-focused program. And part of that funding we got was actually to not just develop the workshop, but actually develop the jumps and the little pump track and skills area you can see behind us yep. over here. And we're surrounded by natural hills. And so we're able to build some trails in the hills as well. And this was all, again, it was all with the young people from this community. So they were in there building their own stuff. They were building their own tracks, their own things they could ride, working with a professional company and, you know, it gave so many learning opportunities in that for work skills and for, you know, contributing. And they look after it now. So they go in and do the maintenance and they have ownership of it. They look after it. They get annoyed if someone else comes in and ruins it. Um, and, yeah, so we were fortunate enough, that was back in 2014, to get a good amount of funding to establish this program, to build some of those local infrastructure to have a workshop where they could come and learn about the bike mechanics, restore bikes, fix their own bikes. Um, we also have one of the key little components that we do is we call a, a earn a bike. So they can, when they come and work on our bikes that are being restored, they every time they do a session with us, they tick off a session and then they can use those sessions to redeem a whole bike or parts. And so each session has a value of around $5 or something. So it's actually become a bit of a currency around here. So it's like, how many sessions is that bike worth? Or how many sessions is that, you know, that part worth? And they can earn their way to, yeah, a whole bike or parts if they want to upgrade their own stuff as well. And so that's become a real thing where it's not a handout. It's not, you know, but it's actually saying, well, you've valued, you've contributed to this, um, to the success of this place. And you know, you've put hard work in and therefore you've earned this and it's now yours. And so they take that home and they look after it. They, you know, some love to trade and swap and we'll come back in with a different one in another couple of weeks mm. and then do that one up. And But it, it's really, it's been great just to see that, you know, that exchange going on as well. And, you know, they've had to hold off and wait. Like one, we had one nice, really quite nice dual suspension donated we said, well, that's, you know, its value is quite a lot. So it's, and one kid worked off, you know, 120 sessions. So that was sort of nearly 200 hours worth of work to earn his way to that bike. 
and now he's up there this weekend at Medina racing on his brand new common sale that he's bought himself that he's you know, wrangled money off mum and dad and yep. Nan and he's up there racing in the under-17s this weekend and just has got totally immersed in the whole sport and just loves it from, um, you know, when he first came here, he was... Is, is there a... Well, it may lead on to this story. Is there yeah. a moment where you sort of realise the power of bikes that... Is there a story of, of one kid... Who, who perhaps had has was really struggling, really tough times, yeah. and then through two wheels and a seat has changed his life, her yeah. life. Yeah. Well, there's lots, lots and lots of you know so many little stories. The big stories, I think there's there's definitely some of them as well. And one in particular that comes to mind is a young person who, when we set up here back in 2014, he was in grade eight. He was going to school maybe 10 hours a week at the most um, and he was living at home with his quite elderly mum who was unwell, he was pretty depressed, he wouldn't look anyone in the eye he'd hardly get boo out of him he, you know, everyone was was sort of like he's just not engaged, he's not a bad kid he's just not engaged in life and or let alone school and so we got him in here and he was working with us about 10 hours a week as well and through that year, he just built his confidence up. So he learnt, you know, the basics of bike mechanics and he churned out probably 20 bikes that year just himself. Um, he helped us set up the workshop, so he helped us build some parts for the workshop. He, you know, was part of, you know, the feedback we got about what would like to be built in the community and he came and built the trails and built some wow. of the jumps. What confidence and, does that give someone? Yeah, well, at the end of the next year... He came up and said to me, look, I want to go back to school full time. And I had teachers from the school coming up to me and saying, I don't know who this kid is. He has a smile on his face. He's looking at me in the eye. He's engaged in class. And, you know, that was such a remarkable turnaround. And it was cool to have, like, others externally just coming in and reflecting that, just that. Because day in, day out, you don't necessarily see that. Mm. But, yeah, when you take a step back and you're just like, wow. that's." Yeah. And you just think what how empowering that is for the, for that young person now. Yeah, that's right. And you know. so he's now, I mean, I, I know he's now, um, he's about 18 now and he's working up in the north of the state. Um, and so they also like to stay in touch, which is nice. So, And we worked with him for another, you know, two years after that as well. So the good thing about what we do here is it's not, you know, you come for a few weeks or you come for a month or whatever it is. Actually, we have um, young people here who have been here since they were in grade four or grade five and are now in year 10. So they've actually um, gone through that whole adolescence and everything and had this program, this place as a bit of a stable, you know, through that whole time. And I look at a lot of them and go, they're not involved in organised sport. They're not playing football, cricket, you know, those team sports, the traditional. This is their hobby. This is their little club, if you like. And and it's great to see that. They really love it here and... and you know, we see them learning these skills and going, well, this is great. Are most of the kids involved from Risdon Vale? Yeah, so... And, and what sort of 
um, yep. I guess, economic community is here. Yeah. So Risk and Vale is a real mix. Um, to the first question, yep, we the only requirement for a young person to come here is they have to be from Risden Vale or connected socially with Risden Vale. So we keep it pretty narrow to this community and that helps give it that community feel that it's part of this place. Um, Risden Vale is a real mix. So it has government housing, it has some of that lower socioeconomic um, you know, feel to the place and a bit of poverty here. It has the maximum security prison over the back fence, essentially, like that's right on the doorstep. And um, But then it's also got a big mix of first-time owners and people who have just, you know, hard workers who've worked their whole life and, um, you know, in trades and whatever. So it's in Hobart as a demographic. It is seen as a lower socioeconomic community, but Overall, it's, I, I love it here. I live here myself and, you know, the mix of people we get through, it's just really rich. You know, it's not just one one demographic. It's actually a real mix and we love that, that you know, guys from who are engaged with school are interacting with guys who aren't and they can rub off, you know. They, their enthusiasm for school and their drive can rub off on the others and we've seen that happen too where... You know, you've got a couple of mates who you build friendships with through the bikes here who are then going to school and saying, where are you? Why aren't you at school today? It's uh, a bit yep. of positive peer pressure. So it's big brother around yeah, town. Yeah, that's it. And so... Um, do you yeah. feel like a big brother yourself to these guys? Yeah. Or how do they look upon you? I guess I feel... Sometimes I feel like a bit of an uncle. Um, I'd say I'm a bit old now for the big brother thing. Um, <laughs> it's funny, I've been doing it... 15 years and I'm now getting the second generation coming through so people whose kids whose dads or mums I've worked with and now their kids are now showing up is, is, <laughs> so that, a, is that a good thing? I think it's great yep. Like yep. I think knowing that like it's not a program that comes and goes but something that Stability. is there and you know in, in a social work sense that's one area there's a real need for you know short intense um, sort of interventions but there's also a need for something that's stable and long term and you can go back to and you know I think traditionally we've seen a lot of sporting clubs and all of that play that role you know there's been scouts there's lots of things that do um, but with you know so many computer games now and so much more going away from some of that types of community I think it's so important to have a place that they can all walk to, they can get here, they don't need parents to get them here, they can, um, you know, ride a bike, it's so simple, and, and be involved with others, be learning skills, be in a positive environment where they're encouraged and to, you know, to be, you know, someone who contributes to the community around them, someone who's developing themselves and trying to better themselves is, you know, it's all positive. You, you just touched on before how long you've been doing this and then, and as most people, many people may may not know, in 2017, um, the local hero, Tasmanian local hero, yeah. and then you went on to um, the big steps at Canberra as um, Australian local hero of the year, one of the finalists. Is it something that you took in your stride to be acknowledged by this community or, or how did it affect you, Ant, at all, if, if at all? Yeah, I think, it, you know, it gave... I guess it was that sense of satisfaction that there's others out there who really valued it. Um, that it wasn't just me, <laughs> you know, doing my own thing in my own little corner, but there was others 
who really valued what we were doing and could see the benefit of it. And so I guess that gives us, gave us as a team, you know, and me personally, a boost of confidence and yes, you know, just encouragement to keep going and to keep pushing in that direction that what we are doing is really valuable. And, and the other thing it did is it gave us a platform to grow our exposure. You know, it was, you know, I was doing talks at, um, you know, different, you know, political events or different things that, you know, we did a state tour around all the high schools and we were able to talk about, you know, some of the things that personally led us to where we are and what we were doing. And so it was a great opportunity to speak to a much broader audience and raise the profile of what we were doing here. Can what you're doing here as we discussed a little bit before, be um, transported to somewhere else? Or is there just something special about Risdom Vale? Will there be another Risdom Vale bike collective, say, somewhere else, mm. Berrydale? Or will it be um, in, I don't know, Launceston? Or yeah. will it be in Sydney or Brisbane? Can this be reproduced and still have that, that quality and that, that real community feel that you've built? Yeah, we, we feel it can be. Um, and I've had a lot of people over the years ask that question. That's yeah. one of the questions I get asked a lot. And sort of up to now, what we've always said is we think it can be, but we can't be the people to do it. Um, and so we've encouraged others, we've worked with others to develop their own thing and shared our experiences and our resources and that sort of stuff, but have never taken a hands-on you know, role. Whereas it's interesting, just you know, in the last month we've actually started talking about okay is it time to expand to franchise if you like become a jim's mowing or something <laughs> yeah and and actually look at starting this up in other communities around hobart and and there's so much interest out there there's others um organizations who want to partner with us there's an appetite there for it and we feel like yeah we can do that and it could be really positive and you know the past you know, specifically the five years we've been operating here in Risdenvale and then, you know, the ten years in the high school, we've learnt so much through that time that um, we feel like we could really set up something that's unique to the different communities we're going to while taking, you know, the core learnings and mm. principles without, you know, doing necessarily an absolute um, copy but taking those principles and implementing them somewhere else is, yeah, we're, we're now just on the, you know, very, very start of exploring that. And one of my grand ideas is that we might have a, have four or five bike collectives in local suburbs around Hobart and then have a central shop in the city where we can sell all our bikes. So all the secondhand bikes that are getting restored get then funneled into the city. The shop can then be a place where we can actually train in retail, um, offer, you know, certificate level training, specific training around the customer service. And so each young person who might be involved in the community aspect could also have then the opportunity to do some real intensive learning in a retail environment as well. Has it ever, have you ever had a situation or has it <coughs> taken a, a t ever taken a toll on you where you've sort of sat back and thought, gee, is it, is it really worth it? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think I've ever questioned the the impact and the worth of the program. This gave me an encouragement to to think. Well, yeah, again, this is reproducible. We can do this elsewhere. And I think 
for me personally, it, it does take a lot of energy and a lot of... Um, Emotionally taxing, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, and I've always done it part-time because of that, because I don't want to burn out. And But, you know, left, the rest of life can get really hard and influence that too, and it's hard to come into this environment if if other things in life is really hard. And I've definitely been through that where, you know, it's hard to walk away from everything else and then come in here and, and be the positive, you know, encourager type person. And so I think that's where I've questioned my involvement is, well, why am I still the right person for it? Um, but I've never really questioned, yeah, the impact because the stories the young guys tell us, like, you know, we've, we've recently just been doing some surveys with them and, now they're coming back saying, well, I get bullied at school, but I feel safe here. This is a safe environment for me. I'm not bullied and I love it, you know. Or, you know, I'm one young guy who's in grade eight said, I, um, I now can fix bikes and I see myself as a bit of a Mr. Fix-It and I love helping others in my community. Um, there's all these little, you know, just little nuggets it sounds like a lot of these kids seem to be able to find a little bit of an identity. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that's what, you know, we, we have T-shirts and we have riding jerseys now and stuff. And and I find that the ones who really get involved do then, yeah, they, they take on that as a, well, this is my program. You know, it's not it's not just something that's done for me, but it's mine and I'm part of it and I, you know, help run it. Like, they have the great ownership of it and our identity in that, yeah. So, so all, the, all the bikes, uh, so how many would you churn through pretty much a, a week? Well, now we, right. I know we go, we sell around 100 a year. Yep. Yep. Um, so you could, I guess, divide that down to probably we hear 40, you know, 40 something weeks a year. So you're sort of encouraging the kids to take their time with these things yeah, and make sure it's the best they can be. Because we're selling them too, yep. they need to be, you know, done well. They need to be safe. They need to... So we do take, yeah, take more time with that. Um, and we probably get donated, you know, we probably get 400 bikes donated a year. And so we can pick and choose a bit of what we, we do, which is good. And then we shuffle them out or we recycle them, the ones that we mightn't do, part them out, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so we now get about 15 grand a year from the sale of bikes. So that helps prop up you know, it just comes back into the program and helps it be sustainable. We've government funded for for the remainder, um, which has been great to have that sort of base funding covered. And then the selling of the bikes and other donations and things gives us other grants, give us opportunities to grow and expand. So, for example, last year we got a, a federal grant to buy some bikes. So we bought a fleet of bikes for ourselves and we did a camp, like a rites of passage type mountain biking camp in Derby. You know, everyone's heard of Derby now. It's mm. it's on our doorstep. And so we took kids from this community up there and they had an absolute ball. Yeah, what like, was that like? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. They couldn't believe them themselves, what they were riding. And, you know, I kept telling them, you know, I've ridden in New Zealand, I've ridden across Australia. And I kept saying, this is as good as anywhere you'll, you'll ride in Australia and New Zealand this is just as good and yeah and they just loved it they lapped it up and you know and you had guys there who were you know we had to sort of really help them through it but then there was that sense of achievement at, at the end again that oh no we made it we did 
you know, this blue tear trail, which was, you know, it took three hours for one of them, and, you know, that was a real achievement for them in and of itself, as well as just being able to sit around a campfire at night and talk about life and talk about, well, who do you want to be as a, um, you know, as an adult? So ask that question. We ask the question, well, if you're at your own funeral, what would you want people to say about you? Mm. You know, and get them reflecting. This stuff isn't, you know, it's not often that someone who's 15, 16 thinks about that. Or who do I want to be as a person? You know, the whole thing about this bike being able to open up um, people's emotions, open up um, avenues of employment, of um, socialisation. Um, that must have been wonderful. A lot of these kids still ride that, that you took away. Yeah, that's yep, right. They're over the back there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and they, you know, we're doing it again this year and they're coming back and, yeah, and we're doing, like, we did, we had four guys who did, like, the six-hour race down at Kelleve as a team. We had, um, I think, half a dozen who competed in the All Schools Mountain Bike Championships. So not only, yeah, there's a, a big deal who just... A, big cohort who just come and fix bikes but then there's like a bit of a, a subgroup that we take out riding and really taking up as a hobby as well as somewhere to come and learn skills but it's now they're a hobby and they just they love it they can't get enough of it you know, no I, it's, the bug, that's you right know, yes can't. i hear you I'm, amen to that <laughs> what's um the biggest lesson i guess that um that people can take away from, from you know, the old Paul Kelly song, from Little Things, Big Things Grow, seemingly. What's the lesson we can take away from, from what you're doing? Yeah, I think um, if you do have a passion, if you do have an idea and you want to explore that, it doesn't have to be some amazing, you know, huge program, some something, you know, that tries to take on the world. I think what we really learnt was small sustainable grow it if that's where it goes it just can do so much but yeah it doesn't have to be huge like it's you know we still I still see ourselves as a bit of a drop in the ocean because it's one program in one community but it's still so worth it you know and you know every we have so many volunteers who come through this place and without them you know they might volunteer two hours a week Without them, this wouldn't happen. And I think each person has something to contribute. Whether, yeah, you're a mountain biker or whether you're a young person who's struggling at school, um, you have something to contribute and you can support others. You can be part of a positive change. You can be part of your community in a positive way. And it doesn't, as I keep saying, it doesn't have to be huge, yeah. Well, it certainly is the ethos that we like to, to throw around of, of having that life off-road and, and taking you somewhere. So I really appreciate you taking some time out of the toy shop uh, <laughs> here, Ant, and, and having a chat to us. Um, and we wish you all the best moving forward and, and we'll keep tabs on you. Thanks. Yeah.